0: My guest today is Dan Venezia. He was drafted by the Minnesota Twins and played three seasons in their organization during a seven-year span. Also did some recreational coaching, and he had a record of 85-5 and with six championships, along with three undefeated seasons. He's a professional trainer, a life coach. And Dan's faith has been strengthened by a unique and powerful intervention that God has made in his life. And he's the author of Surviving COVID. We'll talk more about that. But I'd like to welcome Dan Venezia to Bless to Play. Dan, so great to have you on.
1: Hey, Ron. Thank you so much for
0: having me. So you grew up in Brooklyn, New York. And I know there's two Major League Baseball teams in the New York metro area. So did you go Yankees or Mets? I was,
1: I was Yankees, but I, I didn't root against the Mets. In fact, uh, you know, when they finally made it, I was rooting for Subway Series my entire childhood. And then finally... They, they, they make it in 2000, and I was a little stuck on who am I rooting for here, uh, but it didn't take long if, to, to, for me to realize I was, I'm a true, true-blooded Yankee fan. So uh, They look pretty good this year, so it's, it's going to be an exciting year.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of great, obviously, pinstripe players throughout the years, and uh, being that you were a Yankee fan, as a boy, who did you look up to as a player?
1: Well, I number 23 uh, for Don Manningley. I mm-hmm. think that he played the game the right way. He was a, a worker and uh, he was made the plays and he was a team, you know, ultimate team player and a uh, great defensive first baseman. And so uh, I grew up rooting for, for Don Mattingly. Dave Winfield was another childhood hero of mine. Uh, but uh, those, you know, they didn't win many games back then. It wasn't until uh, till those uh, late 90s when they started putting it together.
0: Now, you led Fort Hamilton High School to a city championship, and you were named to the Daily News All-City team, so you had a good high school career, and then you took your talents to Concordia College, a Division II school, and that's where you really blossomed as an elite player. Talk about your time at Concordia and how you became a competitive baseball player.
1: Uh, Well, you know, it started early on. It started uh, growing up in the streets of Brooklyn, playing stickball in the streets. We played sewer-to-sewer. And first and third was, uh, the, you know, uh, the bumpers or the tires of the, of the cars that, that lined our, our Brooklyn neighborhood. And, uh, you know, we played with a broomstick. We didn't have much money, so we all chipped in to get a ball, and, and we learned to hit that ball straight down the middle. And uh, so then, I, you know, every once in a while, like I would have a real baseball, and we'd head down. Not much, you know, green grass in Brooklyn, but we'd head down to a field and play some real baseball. So I developed the love of the game early on. And, and you mentioned Fort Hamilton High School. You know, I'm glad you did, because yesterday we had a reunion uh, 34 years ago when we won the city championship, played Yankee Stadium, a real special event. And it was our coach passed away. So we honored him uh, yesterday. And it was it was awesome to be back with the with the guys. We had three guys drafted off of our team. We had a second round pick uh, go to the Astros and my double play partner was drafted uh, to the to the Kansas City Royals. Uh, but I was I was a late bloomer, so I was a little guy. I was a scrapper in high school, second baseman. I batted second, moved runners over, laid down bunts. Always the one with the dirtiest uniform. <laughs> and uh, I was about five foot seven, maybe 150 pounds my senior year in high school. But uh, I played well enough to become you know an all-city player. And and it, it was a during a time where we had a lot of big league players come out of New York City. Rich Aurelia, shortstop out of Severian. We had Frank Rodriguez, who I played with uh, Red Sox draft pick Manny Ramirez, a first round pick I played with him in the summer. So we were really, uh, competitive. Um, luckily I, I had an opportunity to play at Concordia college. I got a scholarship there, a small division two Lutheran school. And, uh, it was my freshman year that mother nature kicked in, you know, in addition to working out, you know, religiously and, uh, I grew, you know, three or four inches that year and put on about 20 pounds. And then I started, hitting, you know, hitting the ball with some more power. But I always had the work ethic. And I think that mm-hmm. that's what, uh, you know, that's what helped me get through it. And then, um, you know, I, luckily I got drafted. Uh, the good Lord was watching over me. And I was able to play some ball with the Twins.
0: Now, interestingly enough, you said that you got your, you started in the streets playing stickball. And you would hit the, I would guess, a Spalding with a, a broomstick. And there's talk about players that come out of the Dominican Republic who are hitting pebbles with... Uh, you know, a stick. So do you think that helped your eye hand coordination uh, using that style of batting?
1: Oh, sure. Yes. And and we played on terrible fields and that helped our fielding because there were bad hops everywhere. So we didn't, we had skin in fields and every once in a while when we'd get to a, a field in the playoff time, or if we went out to the suburbs and we got to play in a real field, it was, it was easy to catch a ground ball because we would, we would feel grounders in the schoolyard throwing the ball off the wall. Uh, but yeah, you're right. That stick, ball, bat, and the and the spalding. That's certainly you know a lot easier to hit a baseball after after hitting that.
0: What's to play, Ron Meyer? We're chatting today with Dan Venezia. He played in the Minnesota Twins organization. And Dan, speaking of the Minnesota Twins, after your time at Concordia, I think you were uh, drafted and picked in the 36th round. And uh, there you go. That's a childhood dream right there. That you're. Uh, Going to start a professional career with the Minnesota Twins and enter their minor leagues system. Talk about that time of your life uh, when you played for the Twins.
1: Well, if if I, if I may, Ron, you know, tell you about how I got drafted. Uh, you know, one day I'm playing shortstop at Concordia senior year uh, during warmups, batting practice. I had the worst batting practice of my life. I couldn't get the ball out of the infield. And I noticed this scout coming down the, the right field line with briefcase, white fishing cap. I knew exactly who he was, was scout for the Twins. Mm-hmm. And he had signed over 100 ball players. He signed Hall of Famer Rod Carew. He signed Frank Viola out of St. John's. He was a Cy Young Award winner and an MVP of the 87 series. He signed Scott Leis, who also went to Concordia, who hit a game winning home run in the 91 World Series. Tim Tuffle, uh, over 100 ball players he signed. Eight made it to the Big leagues. And I knew he was there to see me. So I ran right back into the dugout, grabbed the bat, and got in the batter's box. And I had the best batting practice of my life. I was like Aaron Judge for five minutes. Everything (laughs) I hit was a laser. And uh, I decided after five or six balls out that I better, you know, that was enough. And then, you know, first at bat, I pop up to the second baseman. But I run my butt off down the first base because I knew he had a stopwatch. So now he knows I'm a hustler. He knows I have some speed. He knows I can hit for power. And, you know, during warm-ups, I'm throwing the ball at first base as hard as I can. He knows I can throw the ball. Because, you know, you don't know if you're going to get a ground ball in the game. Mm-hmm. and uh, so luckily he stayed around for one more at bat, and that's where I continued my second round of BP, and as my ball landed into the parking lot and over the left field uh, fence, the old man with the white fishing cap and the briefcase was on his way to the parking lot, and I knew I had a shot, and just about a month later I got the phone call, and it was from Herb Stein, so you talk about being in the right place at the right time, and the good Lord's sort of looking out for you. Uh, my, my time with the Twins was... You know, it was ups and downs. My, my rookie year, I played in Elizabethan, Tennessee. That was in the Appalachian League. Um, I had a very good rookie year. I led the team in hitting. Uh, I led the team in hits. I led the team in stolen bases. Uh, I was like seventh in the league, I think, in batting average. And I was invited to Instructional League, which is generally reserved for the high-round picks. Uh, but they also, guys who have great seasons, they invite there. So I was there with Torrey Hunter. Who, who who became my roommate the following season, uh, first round pick for the Twins. Everybody knows who he is. Great, great ball player. And uh, but my next year, I struggled. You know, I, I went from 310 to 202. And, uh, you know, I but, but I, I did get promoted the following season to the Florida State League. And I, I ended up that's when I ended my career. I got released uh, in early 1995. So I played parts of three seasons. You know, and um, no regrets, but uh, it was a great experience for sure.
0: Now, at that time of your life when you were released, uh, what was Dan Venezia's spiritual life like? Was it trusting God or very disappointed just in the fact that you're not playing baseball anymore?
1: Yeah, I, I think it was a, a, a combination of both. You know, I always had faith, but it was it was lukewarm for a long time. I was lost for a, a bunch of years. You know, if I prayed to God, it was more about, you know, help me get a get a hit tonight. Um, and, um, yeah, I, you know, I had the Bible with me and I, I'd read it, you know, you, the, you know, I'm sure you've heard the story, the bull dorm stories and the long bus trips and the, mm-hmm. you know, the, the crappy hotels and the, you know, the $10 a day meal or $15 a day for meal money. And, uh, you know, the, the stadiums and the bad lights and all that, but I, w- I was living out the dream. And every, every kid who steps foot on a little league field has dreams of, Playing one day in the major leagues, and and uh, you know I had an opportunity there. They gave me a shot, the Twins. And during those years, my faith sort of waned. I, I wasn't on fire with the Lord the way I am today. I was uh, a bit lost, uh, but I'm glad I made it back.
0: Blessed to play Ron Meyer once again, chatting with Dan Venezia. He was a former professional baseball player in the Minnesota Twins organization and author of the book "Surviving COVID-19." We'll find out how that impacted. Dan's life. Now, Dan, there's a lot of life lessons in the game of baseball, and I've talked about that on this show plenty of times, ad nauseum, if you will. Uh, you have to learn how to deal with failure, but what are so, some takeaways that you learned from being an elite baseball player?
1: Uh, setting goals, you know, designing strategies to improve skills, uh, teamwork, sacrificing to help the team. Uh, those are traits that I carry with me till this day. They're ones that any teacher would appreciate. They're ones that any employer would welcome and certainly ones any parent would be proud of. Uh, You know, you mentioned resiliency, you know, hall of famers fail 70% of the time. Uh, You know, that's not the case in these other sports, you know, try hitting, you know, three out of 10 foul shots. You're not going to make it or, or completing three out of 10 passes, but in baseball, you know, where failure rate is such high, you need to, you know, that ability, ability to bounce back from failure uh, you learn early on and, um, you know, baseball is an acquired skill, to hitting a baseball. I, I believe Ted Williams said it. You have a round bat and a round ball and the object is to hit it squarely. And then you got a pitcher throwing in excess, you know, now up to 100 miles an hour. Um, and you got less than a second to decide whether to swing or not. And then they start throwing your curveballs and other <laughs> off-speed pitches. And then you have the game situation, you know, do I, do I need to hit the ball the other way. Do I need to hit a fly ball and that, that sort of thing. So, uh, yeah, I'll take uh, I, I know some people say hitting a golf ball is more difficult, but uh, I would say hitting a baseball is for sure. But uh, lots of lots of values, man. I, I love that you're talking about it because the kids need to hear it uh, because all of us are going to stop playing baseball or or whatever sport it is that you, you're, you're playing. Eventually, the game will be taken away from you or you'll, you won't be able to play at the next level and then you got to go on and live out those mini dreams the ones that make life worth living
0: now you're the owner and director of an after school baseball program in central park you give private lessons but uh, i'm thinking by what you just said that it's more than just teaching the technical components of the game that you're trying to teach these kids life lessons as well
1: absolutely and 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 you know maybe there'll be some players that go on to play high school and you know a few that play college and maybe one or two that get to the professional level but it it's not about that. It's about them having fun. It's about them getting along with their teammates, and and those are again great traits to have. Uh, you know, uh, team building skills and respect and hustle and hard work and preparation and grit and determination. All of those uh, values are, are are very important, and that's that's what I base my whole my my whole coaching philosophy revolves around that. Uh, teaching them to be quality human beings first, and. You know, if they can learn how to hit and field and throw better, then that's a bonus.
0: All right, let's take a break. On the other side, I want to talk to Dan Venezia about uh, surviving COVID-19, an awakening that happened during this battle with the virus when Blessed to Play returns right after this. (laughs)
1: A prayer to the Holy Trinity.
0: Most Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I adore you profoundly. I offer you the most precious body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ present in all the tabernacles of the world in reparation for the outrages, sacrileges, and indifferences by which he is offended by the infinite merits of his most sacred heart, and through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I beg the conversion of poor sinners. Amen. Welcome back to Blessed to Play. Ron Meyer joined today by Dan Venezia, a uh, former professional baseball player in the Minnesota Twins organization. He's doing some coaching now, after-school program in Central Park, New York. What a big park <laughs> to give lessons and uh, teach a game of baseball to some youth, a little life lessons as well. And Dan has, is the author of the book, Surviving COVID-19. And uh, just by the title, you could tell that Dan had a battle with the virus. Dan, I want you to talk about when you came down with COVID being hospitalized, but there was a great spiritual awakening that happened through this process, where for you, it was quite a battle.
1: Yes. You know, I I came down with the virus back in early March, uh, mid-March of 2020. It was at the peak of the pandemic. And I had a fever of 103 degrees for nearly two weeks, a pounding headache. Uh, My body hurt to the touch. Uh, shortness of breath, tightness in the chest. Uh, and then on Palm Sunday, my O2 levels plummeted. Uh, I had one of those little finger gadgets on, and that's when I decided to take myself to the hospital, said goodbye to my wife and two teenage boys at the kitchen counter, not knowing if I'd return home to them. Uh, and, uh, you know, I get to the hospital. There were so many guardian angel moments at the hospital. Um, the doctors told me that uh, they gave me the choice whether I could stay I could stay that that night or go home. And the words of my late father-in-law came to me. He said, trust your gut. It's usually right. So I had one foot out the door. You know, who in their right mind would want to spend the night in a hospital with dying COVID-19 patients? Mm -hmm. But then I realized there was more to his wisdom. He said, unless someone can convince you that you're wrong, then you should change your mind. You must change your mind. So then I called guardian angel number two, a doctor friend who convinced me to stay. And thank God I did, because that night my fever spiked to 104 O2 levels plummeted even lower, and it was the worst night of my life, um, and uh, guardian angel number three comes in. Just when I was about to give up hope, I heard the words of my good friend and priest, Monsignor Gino Silva, the shepherd of my flock, who watches over me and so many others at, at the cathedral in Patterson, my church. He said in the in the homily that morning, I watched mass online, and it was the only thing I could hold on to And I would need these words to sustain me through the coming days. He said, um, during challenging times, you should never feel sorry for yourself. Jesus never felt sorry for himself. Mm -hmm. And uh, I knew I was getting out of that hospital at at that point. And, um, you know, the, the television was spewing out the death toll numbers that evening. And so I tried to turn it off. And when I hit the button and then I heard coming from a woman, I heard the Our Father, followed by the Hail Mary. And I opened my eyes, and there she was on my television screen, Mother Angelica, the founder of your station, EWTN. I must have passed her hundreds of times in my youth, and uh, she was praying the rosary. And you talk about spiritual food for your soul. I mean, at that moment, I was filled with the Holy Spirit. I prayed with her. I knew I was getting out of that hospital. I told the doctors, the nurses, they probably laughed at my optimism. They wouldn't let you out of the hospital until you were three days without fever. My fever broke that morning and, uh, Holy Thursday was three days later. And I got out of the hospital. I broke a record. You know, the average stay was seven to 14 days at the time. Uh, and I got out in four days and then I didn't start feeling really better until Easter Sunday. So there's some irony there. And, um, yeah, man, that, that was a moment that, uh, you know, I prayed that rosary where there was only the third time in my adult life that I prayed a rosary. I had prayed it once before, a year before at a pro-life rally at my cathedral and a few years prior at my very first Catholic retreat. And uh, yeah, it just filled me up and, and, and I knew I was getting out and I did. And now I can't, I can't keep it to myself.
0: Dan, you said this, of course you question God when things go wrong. I wasn't thanking him enough for the things that were going right in my life. Too many times we come to God during these challenging times, and we either come closer or we move further away. Did this put life in perspective for you, and you changed your whole outlook on why you were created and what you're, what you're meant to be and how to serve in this world?
1: Yeah, I, life was everything was clear to me in the hospital after that. Um, my whole life, you know, I, I had life's order, but it was it was skewed. My, my order was a body, mind, spirit, right? Professional athlete, trainer, life coach, and then bold proclaimer of the good news of Jesus Christ. Because a few years prior, I I had faith, you know, going into the hospital, nothing like I have now, and I'm still I'm not even there yet. I'm I'm on the journey, man. I'm, I'm I can't wait to get to that eternal life uh, and. So what I realized is that, you know, we need to get the order right, especially during tough times, Mm -hmm. during times of stress and turmoil, instead of doubting God and cursing God. And because I did that in my life, too, um, many times. And um, instead, you know, thinking that God's punishing us. And that's not the case. So what I realized and what I can share with your audience more than anything else is that we need to get the order right. We need to put our faith first. We need to put our spirit first. We need to put God first in everything that we do. And now I'm, I am I scream it to the rooftops, uh, you know, on the rooftops that, uh, you know, we're, we're meant to worship God, but we're also meant to bring others to him. And for, you know, half a dec half a century, you know, I, I had faith, but it was personal, it was private. I kept it to myself. And now I, I want to share it with the
0: world. Let's play Ron Meyer chatting with Dan Venezia, former professional baseball player and author of the book Surviving COVID-19. Now, Dan, obviously your life has changed, but your Catholic faith has become a lot stronger as well.
1: Yes, I, what I like to say is I'm, I'm finally back home, and um, because you know I, I had left, I was I was uh, a cradle Catholic. Then I was dragged to church. Then I was lost in the hope of the resurrection, and I thank all the Catholics out there that we we pray that every day in Mass, you know, for people that are lost in the hope of the resurrection, and and then I came back to the church, but. It was just, I was going through the motions. I was checking the box. You know, anyone can sit in the back pew and throw a few bucks in the basket. But when I was, for 20 years, I wasn't connected to the liturgy. I wasn't connected to the community. And most importantly, I wasn't connected to what's most important in the Mass is the Eucharist and that sacrifice at Calvary. But now, because of this revelation uh, in the hospital, now I, I am, I'm all in. Like, I, 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 go, I go to daily Mass now. Um, I I just can't get enough of the church and I can't get enough of the Lord and I can't get enough of our lady and I can't get enough of the rosary. You know, it took me, it took me two years to figure out, you know, I wrote the book. I didn't mention mother Mary in the book once. Mm -hmm. In fact, I went on international television, uh, CBN 700 club. And, you know, I said, Jesus was my best doctor. I had some good doctors. I stand by that. I said, prayer was my best medicine. And I had a pretty good medicine too, that helped me. But I still stand by that. I mean, 5,000 people at the cathedral prayed for me. And, you know, there's power there. And, and when I tell you, I could feel those prayers. But the other thing I said was that Mother Angelica was my best nurse. And I need to retract that. She was my nurse's practitioner. She was a messenger. She was God's instrument. Uh, the true nurse, the true visitor in the hospital that day was our blessed mother. You know, you know who do you want with you when you're sick, Ron? Your mm-hmm. Your mother right? Um, we I, we couldn't have visitors in the hospital. So God did one better. I couldn't have my biological mother there, but he sent our spiritual mother, our lady, God's masterpiece, the perfect, the immaculate, uh, blessed Virgin Mary. And when I figured this out about two years later, after the book was published, I began to pray the rosary. And I, I, I started with a bun single. I'd pray one a day. And then that wasn't enough. I went to, to three run home run. I prayed you know, the joyful, the sorrowful, and the glorious. And then at uh, the beginning of January of 2021, I decided to go for the grand slam, Uh, you know, adding the luminous mysteries. So every day I pray all four, and I don't say it to brag or boast. And I'm not even saying that it's for everyone to do it that much, but I I will suggest to pray it and to pray it often because the graces I have received since praying this simple prayer, this Bible on a string, uh, have been, unbelievable. Um, I mean, literally she's brought me closer to her son and that's what she's done more than anything. She's brought me back to church. She's brought me back to the Eucharist. She's taught me the difference between joy and happiness. Um, And uh, you know, my wife likes to joke because she'll say, where, you know, where are you going to be with Mary? And I'll say, well, I can be in a lot worse places. I've been to all of them by the way. Um, And I'll answer, you know, don't you know about my father's business? And uh, you know our relationship has grown uh, deeper, stronger. Our faith together, growing in the faith. And uh, I-, I couldn't be more joyful at this moment. And I just look forward to to spreading the word to to anyone who listen.
0: You spoke about your family, and during this time in the hospital, which you're in isolation, basically no visitors, like you mentioned. Then you come out of it. Uh, you're getting healthy. You are healthy. But your kids. I mean, it's cliche, but you know people say. Kiss your kids before they go to sleep. Tell them you love them. But that has to be much deeper in meaning for you now that you've been through what you experienced with COVID-19.
1: Yes. You, you know, it's like, it's like hitting a pop-up in foul territory. And you think you're out, right? I thought I was dead. And and then, the you know, the, the ball sort of escapes the, the fielder's mitt. And you get another swan at the bat, right. You get another chance to get a base hit. I got an, I got another chance at life. And so I don't take any day for granted. And every day, you know, I used to begin the day on my knees, you know, I'd, I'd put my alarm clock underneath the bed and I, and I did that once, once so I couldn't hit the snooze button, but really to begin the day from a place of gratitude. And, and, and I'd used to recite and I still do a, a scripture from Psalms. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Post-COVID, post that experience in the hospital, I still begin the day on my knees, but I, I no longer put the alarm clock under the bed. You see, I don't need the reminder. And after I say that, you know, Psalms scripture, I take in a deep breath because we all take breathing for granted. And I don't take breathing for granted anymore because when you can't breathe, it, you know, it felt like I had a pillow over my face. And, uh, you know, uh, every day is a gift. And I'm living in the moment and I'm and I'm sharing God's word and his love. And he loves loves you. He died for you. He died for me. And the least I can do is just share it.
0: Well, Dan Venizia has been our guest. Uh, What a journey he has had and is on a former professional baseball player who had a quite a battle with uh, COVID-19, but survived that, but was awakened spiritually to much better, a much better outlook on life. And Dan goes around now talking about it, giving his witness of faith. And if you want a copy of his book, Surviving COVID-19, feel free to go to Amazon or just go to Dan's website. That's danvenezia.com. Dan, thanks so much. I do appreciate the time and uh, telling us a little bit about you and your journey here back to uh, the Catholic Church back home. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much, Ron. And keep doing what you're doing, man. Keep spreading the word.
0: Blessed to Play fans, check us out on the web at blessedtoplay.com. That's blessed2play.com. You can like us on Facebook and hit us up on Twitter at Blessed to Play. For Dan Venezia, I'm Ron Meyer. We'll catch you next time right here on Blessed to Play. You've been listening to Blessed to Play with host Ron Meyer on the EWTN Global Catholic Network. If you have a question or comment about today's show, feel free to email us at info at blessedtoplay.com. That's blessed, the number two, play.com. You can also connect with the show on the web at www.blessedtoplay.com. Again, that's blessed, the number two, play.com. Join us again next time for Blessed to Play on the EWTN Global Catholic Network.